0: to get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hello, a happy new year, and welcome to the first
1: Royal Roundup of 2024 from Talk TV. So pop the kettle on. This is The Royalty. I'm Sarah Hewson. Coming up today, pressure continues to grow on Prince Andrew as the unsealing of hundreds of pages of court documents connected to the Jeffrey Epstein scandal continues. Plus, how Queen Camilla has released a new podcast. And a year on from spare, we reflect on where Harry and Meghan are now. Joining me to discuss all of that and lots more, a royal commentator and talk TV regular, Afia Hagen, and the Evening Standards Royal Editor, Robert Jobson. Our Prince Andrew's accuser, Virginia Dufresne, says she was paid $15,000 by Jeffrey Epstein to have sex with the royal when she was 17 years old. That's according to court documents. Prince Andrew has strenuously denied any wrongdoing and has claimed he has no recollection of ever meeting Ms Dufresne, who was trafficked by Epstein. Now, we've had this tranche, uh, Rob, of documents that have been trickling out over the course of the past week or so. How damaging do you think they have been to Prince Andrew
2: Well, there he was at Christmas with the, the Duchess of York um, going walking on <coughs> the other royals to church and and it looked like he was sort of beginning to be accepted by the family again and then this all comes out look I think it's very damaging it's not going away um, Alan Dershowitz has said that he should have fought the case. Um, And um, I think we know at the time he wanted to fight the case. Um, But, you know, whilst these things keep coming out, there may not be particularly any more new new revelations. It's just more of them. It's just the the same old story. But the the truth of it is, it is very damaging for him. It's very damaging for the royal family, for the king and his reign. And the king probably has to be seen to do something decisive. But it's very difficult to know exactly what he can do, there's talk about taking his house away and all these th- things, but he's got a 70-odd-year lease. So I don't see how that would necessarily work. I just think it's a very difficult situation. Andrew continues to say he doesn't he doesn't uh, have any recollection of meeting this girl. There's a photograph that's used all the time that shows he clearly did. Um, and I don't think that will wash anymore. I, I personally think it would have been better for him to have fought this case and if he really had the evidence, would have been out to prove his innocence.
1: That's the argument that was made this week of fear by Mm. Alan Dershowitz, who was Geoffrey Epstein's uh, former lawyer who fought his own case uh, against Virginia Dufresne. She uh, withdrew allegations made against him and Mm. said it was a case perhaps of mistaken identity. But he said he felt that Andrew should have fought the case Mm. and could have won and that he was pressured by the Queen. Now there's been some criticism uh, of him for dragging the Queen, the late Queen into this. Mm.
3: And we'd like to think that perhaps both Prince Andrew and the Queen thought they were doing what was best in paying Virginia Dufresne off to the tune of, we think, around 12 million pounds. But if Prince Andrew was completely innocent as he keeps saying he is, it perhaps would have been better for him to step up and fight that case asked for the evidence to be brought forth so he could exonerate himself. Because now we've got a situation where he has paid someone off uh, and we've got more, allegations coming out in these thousands of pages of documents and they're still coming out this week. And we've got a situation where we have all these further allegations coming out, he's paid someone off, a lot of people in the court of public opinion are saying there is no smoke without fire. If he was innocent, I agree, then he should have fought the case. I mean, the thing we're learning here, Bob, is he settled, but that was by no
1: means the end of it, was it? And his name
3: comes up again and
1: again and again.
2: It wasn't a payoff as such. What it is is that it was an agreement. Uh, and the deal was with a no-blame agreement and that's you, know, you have to be clear about that but again it's the it's the optics what does exactly. it look like yeah. um, it looks bad if you're going to pay that amount money mm. I mean I think it was difficult if you remember the timings of this it was just before the, the Queen's Jubilee mm. um, and people I think in the close to the royal family were hoping it would go away they felt that if he'd gone to court he'd been smack in the middle of the Jubilee mm. and it would have what else could have
1: it. come out in deposition? What else would have example. come out and
2: he would have acted to do deposition. But if you remember at the time, he wanted to do that. And part of the reason that he was stripped of all of his titles and all of his links with the royal family is because there was a fear, not only that he wanted... Well, number one, he wanted to be seen as an individual person going to fight that court case. But also there was a fear that if he was a member of the firm, that they would not only sue him, but could sue the wider royal family mm. as he was a senior... If you like executive of the firm, so there were a lot of situations in there where they were advised to be to settle the case, and a lot of these cases in America that are brought like this are settled, um, you know, and, and most of them actually. So, but I think in this particular case, Dershowitz fought it and won it, and if you look at the evidence or some of the evidence, we you go delving into it a bit deeper, it's quite flaky. So, mm. uh, you know, he, he probably could have fought it, and I'm sure if he sits there now and thinks. You know, I bet he wishes he probably did.
1: Whether or not he could have won
3: it, though, ultimately he was friends
1: with... with? a pedophile point sex
2: offender.
3: And, you know, stayed in his house after Epstein had served <sighs> convictions in Florida in 2010. I mean, that's a yeah. huge lack of judgment. And,
1: and claims in these documents that he stayed for several weeks on end, mm-hmm. that he had daily massages. There have also been claims which... Many would discredit made by Sarah Ransom, although uh, she has doubled down on her claims that there were sex tapes Mm -hmm. uh, made uh, involving Prince Andrew, among others as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it is very sordid. It is very sensational. And to have a member of the royal family included in this, is excruciating. It is,
2: and it must be every single time it comes up, you know that the story isn't going to go away. We know the story isn't going to go away. There'll be more and more stuff that comes out over the year, over the months and years. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, until I mean Andrew's clearly t- they've taken the view they're not going to go, you know, he's not going to be going to America anytime soon. He's not mm-hmm. going to be given any evidence. But look at the judgment here. Mm-hmm. His, his relationship with Epstein, just as you said, his relationship with Ghislaine Maxwell, who was, you know, guest at the palaces and all these things. It was it was dreadful judgment, and at the very least, you know, he, he should have been probably you know asked to step back from royal duties anyway, uh, even if even if he'd fought the case. The bottom line here is that um, you know he's clearly not going to be be able to be. Rescued, he's not going to be able to come back into the royal spotlight. I think it was probably a mistake even being seen alongside the other yeah. royal members of the royal family. At but he was like
1: the year before as well, yeah, wasn't he? It wasn't and then the, saw the Then
2: there were video and that was that ridiculous conversation he had with why are you taking pictures yeah, and yeah. Why we're not members videoing? of the press yeah. and all that. And it was just very odd. I mean, he's clearly not, you know, he's clearly in a bad place. He's clearly mm. down. You know, he can't... You know, he's barely getting a in a restaurant in London. He's seen as a pariah. Nobody wants him to be working for them. And his life as a public figure is over. But, you know, as you were saying, a lot of people believe there's no smoke without fire, no matter how hard... Unless he actually goes to a court of law and he's cleared, I don't think anybody is going to give him much time. Anyway.
1: And, and, Rob, you, you touched on what the King does about this, if, if anything that. more. I mean, there has been some suggestion that he was... He will now have to kick him out of of Royal Lodge. But then, sources close to Andrew this week have said, "No, blood's thicker than water. He's not going to kick him out." But he's got he's got a
2: seventy odd year lease that he was yeah. signed. Yeah. He's also got the money to fulfil that lease. i.e. He would not have been left money by the Queen. Therefore, in terms of its repair, he will do that. He'll repair the mm-hmm. he'll repair the property. I I, I think he's staying put, and I don't really see what else the King. Do. And
3: I mean, you're right, Rob. There isn't really anything else the King can do. I mean, he shouldn't be front and centre at any public events with the royal family. He shouldn't be at And We know that obviously everybody has a right to go to church, but the optics, like you said, Rob are terrible and you know there's been lots of people again in the court of public opinion saying he'd be he should be stripped of the duke of york title or even the prince the city title. of york itself has, uh, yeah, has there's argued a, that. a petition there for that as well but actually when it comes down to that there isn't anything that the king can do about that there's a bill that's only at the very first stage in parliament to enable the king to go further and strip people of their titles if he wants to do that but it is so far from ever being law I don't think that will happen in, in the next decade. So, apart from what has happened already, Prince Andrew stepping back from public life to not being seen as part of the royal family, there really isn't anything else that the king can do or that he wants to do, because at the end of the day, he's still his brother. His brother, yeah.
2: And, uh, and Andrew says he never did anything wrong. You know, so... I mean, it's very difficult, isn't it? I mean, I for me, it's the girls, dis- it's
1: his daughters that I
2: well, feel sorry for. terrible Absolutely for them. them. Absolutely yeah. horrific yeah. Uh, for
1: them. Queen Camilla, this week, has launched a new podcast called The Queen's Reading Room. It was spawned from her book club, which was born out of shared reading recommendations during the Covid pandemic. The Queen isn't hosting it herself, but does appear on each episode. Now, I fear... I don't know whether I was a bit naive. I, I sort of tuned in, thinking, "Oh, I was going to hear Camilla yeah. interviewing literary greats." Yeah. And actually, we don't get that. We only get a little bit of her at the end, which I thought was a
3: shame. Actually. Yeah, I, it's a bit of an odd one because, like you, I was like, "Okay, it's called the Queen's Reading Room. We'll get the Queen interviewing, mm. say, Joanna Lumley about books," which is not what it is. It's kind of whatever author, um, and you had Joanna Lumley on there, um, and Ian she, Rankin, yeah, your first episode. And yeah. They've clearly been interviewed. you just get their answers of their questions um, and at the end you get a little bit of Queen Camilla. And I think maybe the format is not the greatest. I think for people who are fans of Queen Camilla, they would tune into this, wanting it to be her, talking about books with her favourite authors, Mm. and it hasn't really delivered on that, which I think is a shame for people who, you know, love the Queen's Reading Room, love Queen Camilla, and would like to hear from her on books. That's not what this podcast is giving. Because this is something she's really passionate
1: about, isn't she? Literacy and reading.
2: Yeah, and I've heard her speak passionately about this, give great speeches around the world, do good receptions, where she's got all those authors in the room. But I think The the thing about the modern-day royal family is, particularly when you've got the likes of what we've seen with William and and Catherine and Harry and Meghan, you know, doing all their own journalism, doing all their own interviews, we sort of think that they're fully equipped to, you know, be like like the next Michael Parkinson or someone. (laughs) But, you know, the the Queen Camilla, you know, she's not. She's not a...
0: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change?
2: And it's not really into into that, and also it would take up an awful lot of time, as we yeah, know, I to do one of these podcasts. Unrealistic. <laughs> but yeah. I, we, I, I was expecting a bit more, or even a professional. Interviewer asking her questions, a few more yes. questions. So that would have been better. But I can understand, once you committed to something like this, it's quite a lot of work. And she is doing quite a lot of extra work now mm. that she's Queen.
1: We did get a little snippet, an archive interview from 2021 of her talking to one of her favourite authors, crime author Peter James. And then each week we're told there'll be a question posed to the Queen. And this week was about her favorite books to read to her grandchildren.
3: Hmm. Harry Potter.
1: Yeah, apparently.
3: But apparently she doesn't do the voices. Which is a bit of a shame because I mean, I do the voices. She's no good at them, <laughs> but, but the king the king is much better at
1: impressions than her apparently. Well, he yeah. good,
2: Yeah, I mean, he remember he wrote children's books for his brothers when he was um, younger and he, and he does all the voices for his grandchildren when he's reading for them. So, no, he's got that slightly ex- as a as he would say, like slightly eccentric bent about him when he comes to these, these voices. And the kids just love the voices, don't they? But, yeah. Um,
0: yeah. It's I a mean, nice I,
1: snippet, isn't it? It's yeah. a Lovely I mean, it's anecdote. We just want a bit what, more. What exactly. What trying
2: to do. I mean, I yeah. remember going with her to a prison where she was really sitting with the uh, a whole group of guys that you know in prison for, for whatever a number of reasons. But they would all they were illiterate when they were into to prison, and through her um interventions and the work with the prisons that she does you know three or four of them I actually learnt to read and they were going to probably be put in a better place when they'd left prison so she does an awful lot of work behind the scenes even if she's not doing that much that on the would podcast. make a very
1: interesting episode wouldn't yeah. it mm-hmm. Uh, now, the royal family have wished the Princess of Wales a happy 42nd birthday this week, posting a new <coughs> behind-the-scenes photo of Kate on the King's coronation day. What about the celebrations uh, for the princess this year? A little calmer than this time last year. <laughs> well, at year least long. there wasn't the
2: announcement of uh, her brother-in-law writing another book, or another, you know, like Spare came out on her birthday last, yeah. last year, didn't there? I mean, I think it was quite... From what we understand, it was private, it was low-key, just for the family, you know... Over a jelly or whatever it was, so I think it was quite, you know, uh, quite low key in that respect. And that's really how she likes it. That's the point about Catherine. She's she'll be with her kids. She'll be with her husband, and maybe the in-laws coming. You know, the, the mum and dad coming over. But really, I, I think that uh, the royals could do without. I mean, they've had a few, quite a lot of. Um, Mm. Big staged events lately. I don't think they need another.
1: A, a day minus drama. Yeah. yeah, very much welcomed. I mean, we saw Westminster Abbey posting a message to her, and the bells of Westminster Abbey mm-hmm. uh, rang out to celebrate her birthday as well, and her various charities as
3: well. Yeah, uh, paying tribute on her birthday. Definitely. You know, she's picked with so many charities, has worked with so many great or- organisations over the past year, and will continue to over this year. I, mean, I think we've seen a real evolution in uh, the Princess of Wales over the past year, haven't we? As she stepped up to that role of the Princess of Wales, as she launched her Shaping Us campaign, which was launched at the end of January last year. And I think we're going to see more of her stepping into that role, uh, doing more rolling out across Shaping Us and you know, really becoming this Princess of Wales and you know, obviously the Queen in waiting. So I think, yeah, we're going to continue to see that real evolution. In, in Princess Kate. Everywhere.
2: Yeah, and there was talk, wasn't there, that soon the the, the King may even um, give the Princess her own royal warrant and at the moment of after two years, all the royal warrants will start to switch <clears throat> over. That may happen, and that she may be, um, you know, even given the uh, become a member of the Order of the Garter. Yeah. So all of these things, I think, also pretty soon um, he'll make her a member of the Privy Council because. You know, just like Camilla did when um, when Charles became king, she was in the uh, in the room um, for the for the signing of the proclamation. So I think all of these things will start happening because she is the, the second most senior uh, female member of the royal family, and I think all of these things will start to come into into play over the next eighteen months or so.
1: Huge responsibility. Yeah, uh, a lot on really. her shoulders.
2: And she's done so brilliantly. If you think in. You know, everyone talked about her being the girl next door. She had a pre-ordinary life, pre-middle-class you know, ordinary life. And then all of a sudden, you yeah, within the last 13 years or so, 14 years, yeah, you know, you're a blink away from being the Queen. It's quite an extraordinary story.
1: Mm. Now, King Charles was intrigued by William and Oliver Ward's handmade Land Rover which the youngsters were using at Sandringham in Norfolk when their family went to catch a glimpse of the royals on their way to church. Um, it was a really lovely uh, moment of fear wasn't mm. it? These two little boys in the Land Rover that had been made by their grandfather and um, it made me think actually of
3: Prince Philip and it his really love did. of the Land Rover. It really did, and you know that customized Land Rover that he had for his funeral. Um, these two little boys, but for a happier occasion, mm. their grandfather did an incredible job on that. Absolutely it amazing. Has to be said, not showing it, my boys <laughs> <laughs> exactly these kids. Um, but the king, you know, asking them, you know, was it pedal? Was it motorized? Have you crashed into any trees? Um, and I think you know it's super cute Their grandfather did an incredible job, and it's really nice to see the king. Sort of getting interested, chatted to them on the way into church and on the way out. Came back over to have another look. So, and the mum saying it was pretty surreal. They just decided to go for a walk with this man over They take it out most most Sundays. Heard that the King would be around. And thought, why not show him? And good for them. And these off the cuff moments give us a much greater insight,
1: um, actually. Don't yeah, they? Yeah, he's very
2: kind. <laughs> and He's a nice guy. And and the, the King has always been. I always think very funny when he and just and, you know when he's talking to people. One to one, he's on the level with them, and he just seems to be very relaxed. But it must have reminded him, of him when he was his two boys were young. They they had go karts brought to Highgrove, and when he didn't know about it, and um, they raced around. He had this lovely meadow that had grown of wild grass, and they raced around the whole thing, and you know, I'm, tore up the lawn, tore on in the lawn, <laughs> and then he said to, I mean, it was my my friend Ken Wolf who was down as bodyguard. He said he said to, him, who do you think you are? Do you fancy yourself as the next bernie eccleston <laughs> so he like wrecked his entire lawn. Yeah. but i mean it is quite sweet i mean you know, i'm sure if it was prince philip he'd you have know, probably down there with his screw you know with his screwdriver to see how it all fitted yeah together. exactly
1: <laughs> harry and Meghan were once again the butt of the joke this time at the golden globes on sunday night comedian joe coy said it turns out harry and Meghan were still getting paid millions of dollars for doing absolutely nothing And that's just by Netflix. Um, I think it's fair to say it wasn't just Harry and Meghan who were the butt of the jokes, the royal family, uh, the crown being portrayed to succession, uh, for example. But, I I mean, this follows on from Family Guy and South Park. A
3: year since the release of Spare.
1: Was that the start of open season on this couple?
3: I mean, to be honest, when they... Know, release the Harry and Meghan documentary on Netflix in 2022. Now, my goodness, Uh, and then spare. And by putting themselves out there, they knew that they were going to be part of you know, pop culture as it were, and that people were going to have opinions and say things about them. I think they know this. I think probably it was the start of open season, and they're used to this. I think any celebrity as it were any person who's in the public eye any person who's known knows that this is what is going to happen um and you know like you said a year since spear was released still such a huge seller you know in that first week 3.2 million copies across physical audio and digital i mean we cannot deny whether you liked the book or didn't it shifted it sold a heck of a lot of units
1: um Rob, the biographer Tom Bauer this week claimed that they're in danger of losing all their millions and running out of, of money. I don't think we need to worry that this couple are on the bread breadline yet, do we? No. I, I mean, you know, they've still got the Netflix deal. Megan's signed with the talent agency WME and she teased at the end of last year that there was some fun and, and exciting projects to come. And don't
2: forget the money from Spare will bring a lot of money.
1: Yeah. So... Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think the TV may have had it run its course. I think the, the turning point, I think, in America, actually, when they started becoming the butt of jokes, was the this so-called car chase from New York with a high-speed car chase, which a lot of New Yorkers thought was ridiculous. And, and it actually blew the their The fact credit. that you uh, can't go high-speed anywhere go in New York. Anywhere high-speed in New York. So I think that really did, particularly in America, sort of put a lot of people off them. And, um, look, we'll see. I mean, I, I think that... Um, They're not going to run out of money. I think Tom might be wrong there because, I mean, you know, Harry had, you know, 30 million quid in the bank before he did any of these deals. So it's all relative, I'm sure, but I'm sure they'll be fine.
1: Uh, On the subject of Harry, he's to be inducted alongside Uh. Apollo 11 hero Buzz Aldrin as a living legend of aviation at a glitzy Beverly Hills ceremony to be hosted by John Travolta. Now, the Duke completed two tours of Afghanistan as a forward air controller and an Apache helicopter pilot, having flown countless training missions in the UK, the US and Australia. He served for 10 years in the military, rising to the rank of captain. Um, He's going to be alongside... Jeff Bezos, uh, Tom Cruise, Elon Musk, Cruz, Elon Musk mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman, Ford, Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Um, are you surprised at, at this
3: particular award, A Legend um, of Aviation? A little yeah. bit. I mean, I wonder what the criteria was because, I mean, someone like Buzz Aldrin, Elon Musk, I can kind of understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morgan Freeman, I'm not sure, has maybe flown millions of planes, I just don't know. Um, but... You know, it is a bit of a strange one, but in saying that, you know, he was a helicopter pilot, was in the military for ten years. Yeah, but he two times in Afghanistan. Saying, well, if that's your criteria,
1: then yeah, I hope everyone in the military is He wasn't get a, to a battle of Britain yeah.
2: pilot, was he? Or a I mean, at the end of the day, I think he sat at the back of the helicopter. But I, I think whenever these awards come around, you know they've got to get names there to sell the tickets. And I, I, I just think it's um, pushing the word legend, isn't it, really? I mean, yeah, he, he flew a helicopter and he did well in the, the war, but is he the same as Buzz Aldrin, one of the first men on the moon? I don't think so.
1: OK, um, thank you both very much indeed for joining us for our first programme of the year. That is all we've got time for this week. My thanks to Afia and Robert. If you want to join in the debate, please do leave a comment and make sure you subscribe if you don't want to miss a single episode. We will be back next week with all of the latest on the Royal Family. We hope you can join us and we'll see you then.